Thanks, Pastor Dave. How are you, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us. I guess we got a little rain as, as you were all making your way in here, and so we're so glad to have you here, and for all of you who are watching online as well. Last evening at our Saturday evening service, I met somebody, and she said, oh, hello to me, and she knew who I was, she and her husband. She says, we watch you online from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and we happen to be in the area, and we just had to come to church, and that was just really crazy. And then last night I heard, somebody, heard from somebody who says they watch us from Seoul, Korea. And, uh, and that was really cool. They used to come to our church. And so really, really thankful for um, our online ministry and for just the opportunity to gather here today. You know, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but in the months leading up to my graduation from Pepperdine, I began to uh, experience or suffer from a, a kind of a crippling um, disorder. Uh, it wasn't arthritis or colitis or bronchitis or gastritis. It was senioritis. And the, the symptoms of my conditions were anxiety, grief, and depression over the thought that I would soon be leaving my school and leaving my friends, whom many of them I've never, I haven't seen since. And, uh, and also because of the uncertainty of what would come next, what would be next. And the only thing I was certain of was that I would be moving back home, which I did. But other than that, I didn't know what I'd do for a living. I didn't know where I'd get a job. I didn't know where I would go to church. I became a Christian at Pepperdine. And so the only church I ever had ever known was at Pepperdine. And so didn't know where I would go to church. I didn't know how I would make new friends because, you know, after four years away, you kind of lose touch with your high school friends and everything kind of changes. And so I really didn't know what was gonna happen. And uh, you know, my, some of my classmates, they, they didn't have senioritis like I did because their future plans were kind of all laid out. Some of them were planning to go to grad school. Others had jobs lined up, but, uh, but I wasn't one of them. I, I didn't know what would become of me in, in the future. I didn't know what would be next. Well, several months um, out of school now, I'm living at home still trying to figure out what to do. I heard that the chief legislative analyst, which is the research arm for the Los Angeles City Council, uh, had some job openings. I heard about that, and I thought, okay, you know, maybe, maybe I'll apply for a job. So I applied for a job, and wouldn't you know it, I got the job. I was hired for the job, and I was so excited because for the first time in my life, I would be able to make a, start making a ton of money and, and, and uh, start saving some money. And so uh, my, uh, you know, uh, parents went out and bought me a, a couple of suits, and, and I was excited. I uh, hit the jackpot, I felt, because starting salary was going to be $1,100 a month. I mean, it's like, wow, I was going really, um, to really do well, $1,100 a month. And so off to work I went. And on that very first day, I, I had a quick orientation with my boss, and then, then he sent me over to the city personnel department. He says, you need to go there and get processed. And so I said, okay. So I walked over there, and when I provided them my address, uh, they looked it up on a Thomas Guide map. Now, some of you young people don't even know what a Thomas Guide map is. Shame on you, but we... <laughs> they looked it up on the Thomas Guide map, and, and they said, okay, we got a problem here. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, you don't live in the city of Los Angeles. Well, wait, I have, a, I have a city, Los Angeles City mailing address. They said, no, but took a look at this map. You, you live in the unincorporated area of the county. You don't live in the incorporated area of the city. And in order for you to take this job, you need to live in the city of Los Angeles. And so she went on to say, I regret to inform you that we can't hire you for this position. And just like that, you know, I had a new job and that same day I, I was out of a job. And I couldn't believe it. I walked back to my boss and I, I, I talked to him about this and I was hoping he could, you know, pull some strings and tell me that no, she was mistaken, but no. Uh, she wasn't mistaken, and so I left. And as I walked out of City Hall that day, I was just thinking, you know, I, I was thinking, wow, I'm back to square one. I mean, there, I have no plan B. I didn't know what was going to happen next. What next? And, uh, you know, that wasn't the first time that I'd ever asked that question or wrestled with that question, what next? I remember wrestling with that question when I held my daughter Kylie in my arms for the very first time. I held her in my arms for the very first time and I was so happy, but I had never changed the diaper. 
I had never burped a baby. I had never been a father. And I couldn't help but wonder, what next? And so some of you who are parents know what that's like. What's next, right? Um, I asked that question when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2019, lung cancer. And I wondered, what next? How bad is it? What would become of me? What about my family? Is this the beginning of the end for me? What next? Have you ever asked that question? I'm sure you have. I think we've all asked that question when we're not sure about the future. Maybe you even asked the question with regards to our 40 days of prayer. For if you're joining us for the first time, wow, you missed it. I can't, you know, I hate to tell you that, but you missed it. We, we just, we're just wrapping up. Today is the final message of a series that we start at the beginning of the year called 40 Days of Prayer. And it's been such a great, great series. I, I hope you've been blessed by it. Um, but maybe you've been wondering, what next? And um, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I mean, God has just been you know, working, doing some things in my own heart, and I've been thinking a lot about what next. And, and I wanted to share with you just some of the things that have been on my mind about where we go from here after 40 days of prayer. Where do we go from here? So I want to begin our time in a word of prayer, and then I want to ask you to turn your attention to the screen because the last couple of weeks, we've, we've collected a number of testimonies from, from some of you, and we want to show them to you. And, and unfortunately, they were all so good. Unfortunately, because of the, the time of our service, our time limitations, everything, we just can't show you all of them. It would take, it would take the whole hour just to show you all the testimonies. And so we've just selected a few, and, and we plan to put all the testimonies up on our social media page, so be on the lookout for that. But uh, I think you'll really be blessed by, by what you hear. But again, to all of you who contributed, thank you so much for that, all right? So let me pray first, and then I'll let you watch the first, first three uh, testimonies on the screen. Well, Father, thank you so much. It is so good to be here this morning. Thank you for the the rain that you've brought to us, we've just desperately needed it. My only prayer is, God, that, that in the rain you would always protect us and always keep us and our families safe uh, from any kind of harm, any kind of accidents. And Lord, thank you so much for these 40 days of prayer. It has really changed my life, and I hope and pray that it's changed the lives of hundreds of people here. And Father, today as we wrap things up, I pray, God, that you would make it real clear to us what our path is going forward. What next for us? What next for our church? And I do believe that you have some very uh, clear things in mind for us. And, and so, Father, I pray that you would speak today. Um, whenever I try to speak, I always get in the way of what you want. So, Lord, you take control. And Holy Spirit, you do the work and you speak to us. And Father, speak to us, whether we're here in the main center or in, in the lobby, in the cafe area or the faith center or even watching online so do a mighty work father god and again thank you for these testimonies that we're about to hear bless our hearts now and i ask all these things in jesus name amen take a look at the screen hi my name is Alyssa, and wow during the 40 days of prayer it has been absolutely amazing uh, during day 14 is where I was at uh, yesterday, the expectation of prayer. And I read uh, Exodus 14, 13 was the loudest for me. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Wow, so last week I got to volunteer in the prayer room and this woman came to get healing for her back and it was so awesome. I asked her to rate her pain and she rate out of five, she rated it a six. By the time we were finished praying with her, she was at a one for the pain in her back. I expected nothing less than that and it was so incredibly powerful that it happened. Her daughters were so surprised and I was like, why are you surprised? That's what happens when you pray for people. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us to expect prayer to work. Amen. I've been waiting for years to get my surgery. And so we it's scheduled for March the 27th, coming up soon. 
And so um, I kept saying I was going to fast before my um, surgery, and I was like, oh, how I'm going to do that? You know, I needed to concentrate and everything. So when I heard about the 40 days going on, it was right in line for God preparing me for my surgery because I was a little nervous. So I'm just thankful for the church having this 40-day uh, fast, and I've been doing it diligently. And also I had from my uh, group, the Women's Fellowship, they had a story from one of our um, studies there, and it was about a woman that had an issue uh, with her back for 18 years. And I went back and researched and found that I had, too, been dealing with this issue with my hips for 18 years. And so God healed her miraculously. And so I feel that, you know, God, through my prayers and everything, that everything is gonna go well. And I, the number one thing, I am just so grateful for this church. I'm just gonna read this quick scripture. It is Isaiah um, 40, 31. Uh, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. They shall run and not faint. They shall walk and not be weary. So I want to thank everyone at the church for their support, and God bless everyone. Thank you. Hi, my name is Hazel, and I just want to share with you how the Lord worked in my heart during the 40 days of prayer. At that point in my life, it was so draining because so much is going on in the world, and praying, I was praying day and night, but I was so drained. But once I started reading the journal and going through the scriptures, the Lord started opening up my heart and opening up my mind. And when I came on Saturday for prayer, uh, I couldn't stop crying. And when you cry, that's a good thing because you're being washed and you're being cleansed. And when I left, I just felt so much better. So the Lord is, is still working with me. I just told Pastor that the revivals that I'm looking at that is going on, God is just, he's just working with me. Because sometimes we do a quick thing, a quick prayer, a quick scripture. But this time I'm deeper and deeper because of the 40 days of prayer that we have gone through. And I just want to thank Pastor and all his staff for this great time. Isn't that great? Wow, I want, to thank, I want to thank Alyssa and Shirley and Hazel, and please be in prayer for Shirley as she prepares to have hip surgery. You know, how did the 40 days of prayer impact you? How did it, how did it affect your life? How did it change your life? And more importantly, what's next? You know, the first thing we need to do, it's a no-brainer, right? We need to keep on praying, right? We just keep on praying. We don't stop praying just because the 40 days of prayer is over. Romans 12, 12, first verse. I want to put this up here for you. Paul wrote, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. I love that uh, description there, be constant in prayer. You know, the New Testament was written in Greek, so sometimes we look at Greek words to see what the real meaning of the word is because the English doesn't do justice, but the Greek word for constant means to continue to do something with intensity. Do it with an intense effort. Not just do something continually, but to do it with intensity. And so we need to keep on praying with intensity and fervor. Now, most of us are hardwired to believe that prayer changes things, right? We, we believe prayer changes things. Even, and we believe that, and it does, even though we don't always see the outworkings of prayer. It's not always visible to us. But more important than changing things and situations and circumstances... Prayer changes us, right? Prayer changes us, and I know that it has changed me. In one of my messages a while back, I told you that there is one prayer that God will answer all the time and right away, right? This is one prayer. Sometimes prayer, we'll ask God for something, and we don't get the answer right away. Sometimes the answer might be no. Sometimes we just have to wait a long time. But there's one prayer that you can pray, and God will answer all the time and right away, and that's the prayer of faith. When you tell God that you believe in him, and when you tell God that you believe that Jesus was his son, when you tell him that, especially if you tell him that for the very first time, that prayer of faith, the Holy Spirit will come into your life, and you make you a brand new person, and you will be born again. 
Well, there's another prayer that God will answer all the time and right away, and this is the prayer, and this prayer really has changed my life. It really has changed my life. I pray it every day. In fact, I prayed it this morning, and that's the prayer of confession and forgiveness. The prayer of confession and forgiveness. When you confess your sins to God and ask him to forgive you, his answer will never be, well, let me think about that. Let me get back to you on that. Maybe later. Never. No, that, that'll never happen. Whenever you confess your sins to God and ask him to forgive you, he will answer you all the time and right away. And his answer will always be, you're forgiven. Take a look at Psalm 32, verse 5. In this psalm, David wrote, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. Iniquity is another word for sin. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my, up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Confession is a form of prayer, right? We learned that. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and what? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Right, just like that. When we confess our sins to God and ask him to forgive us, he does it right away. He forgives you right away. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sins to God, right, and ask him to forgive you of all your junk, of all your meanness, of all your hate, of all your prejudice, of all your wickedness, of all your evil thoughts, of your lust, of your selfishness, your wretchedness, your filth, all of it. Do you know what will happen? Isaiah 118, this is what will happen. And though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God will forgive you completely and thoroughly, cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. And, you know, really, it begs the question, how can a holy God, how can a holy God who abhors sin forgive so readily? It's because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. You see, we must always remember that God doesn't forgive us because of us. God doesn't forgive us because we're such good people. God doesn't forgive Donna because of Donna. God doesn't forgive Butch because of Butch. God doesn't forgive Austin because of Austin. No, God forgives us because of Jesus, because of what he did for us, because he paid the penalty for our sins. And I don't know about you, but I just love this. I need this. I need this. I say this prayer every single day because I know that I'm a sinner. I need this, and, and I know you need this. We need cleansing every day because we sin every day. So more than changing things or changing circumstances or changing situations, prayer changes us. That's the first thing. Second, prayer can change us by uh, giving us peace. And we saw that in Hazel's testimony. Remember what she said? She'd been praying day and night for the things that were going on in the world, things that were going on were crazy what's going on in the world today. And she was pr praying day and night for the things going on in the world, and she said it just drained her. And it will. It'll, it just drains you. It can just depress you. It can just be overwhelming for you. And then she said she came to one of our prayer meetings, and she left a different person. Why? Did the world all of a sudden become better once she was at the prayer meeting? Not at all. It probably got worse. Right? It's getting worse by the minute. But when she finished praying, when she, when she finished praying, the world was, was just as messed up as it was when she started praying. The world didn't change, but you know what happened? She changed. She changed because she prayed. God filled her heart with his, with his incomprehensible peace and uh, presence. The Apostle Paul stated this way in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'll put it up here for you. He said, do not be anxious about, in everything, about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. In other words, pray. And the peace of God, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First of all, Greek word for surpasses means to rise above. This is so good. Catch this, all right? It means to rise above. The Greek word for understanding means reason. In other words, when you pray, the peace of God will come upon you and it will... It will be so palpable as to rise above human reason and human understanding. In other words, you won't even be able to wrap your head around it. This peace is so incomprehensible. To put it in the vernacular, the peace that God will give you because you pray will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. 
and it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a military term and refers to a soldier standing at post. And thus God's peace will stand watch over your souls, over your heart and mind like a soldier, even in the midst of the harshest of trials. And that's why you can go, to the, you can go to the, through the harshest of trials and sense the peace of God, God's presence with you. I love what author Oswald Chambers wrote in his devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. If, you've ever not, not, if you want to read a great devotional book, that's a good one right there. It'll change your life. My Utmost for His Highest. Here's what he said. He said, prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. Prayer changes me. It changes you. Now, take a look at what Jamie had to say about the 40 days of prayer. One of the things that I had found prior in reading my Bible, I would get really frustrated. Um, I didn't feel like I was connecting to what I was reading. So a lot of times I would just close it and just put it away. Um, with the 40 days, I really carved out time of intent, you know, with intent. Um, and I would pray beforehand, put on my worship music. And what I found is I'm falling in love with Jesus again. And I feel a love that I haven't felt in a long time and a connection. And it's been through this 40 days of where I'm reading scriptures that are speaking personally to me and they're filling me with so much joy. And then when I find myself praying now, I'm praying with intentional uh, expect expectancy. And I'm also praying for things that you know, and for others that I've seen coming to fruition. And I never thought I would feel this way before. And I have to say that it's just been amazing to have this 40 days of prayer. And I would tell anyone, if you haven't done it, you should definitely do it and spend that time. Great. Thank you to Jamie for that. She fell in love with Jesus again. And it was all because of something very simple that she did. She opened up her Bible and she read it. So simple. And she fell in love with Jesus again. And filled it with joy, changed her life, and it changed the way she prayed. See, the very simple takeaway from this is that we need to just keep reading the Bible. Right? We just keep reading the Bible. Keep soaping. Uh, and soaping is, soap is just a simple tool right, that we use to, to read the Bible. And if you find another tool more helpful to you, then use that tool, right? But just read the Bible and get in the Bible. Just feed off of God's word because it is food for your soul. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 says this. Paul wrote, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love what Paul said. He said, continue. Do you know what the Greek word for continue means? It means to continue, right? We just continue. Continue to read God's word. Continue to read the sacred writings because not only is it food for your soul, it is the truth. This is the truth. You know, we live in a time when there has never been more confusion about what is true and what is not true. In the view of many, uh, what was once true is no longer true. What was once bad is now good, and what was, now, what was once good is now bad. I mean, we, everything has gotten mixed up and twisted up. Nearly every day, you will hear about one more lawmaker, for example, proposing some crazy bill that takes us further and further down Satan's rabbit hole. Just the other day, I heard that Canada is considering enacting a new law that will legalize assisted suicide for minors without parental consent. Unbelievable, and it's only a matter of time when somebody here in our country thinks that's a good idea and a good idea for us, and we'll hear about that here. And if that isn't bad enough, more and more people who identify as Christian, and even many who say they are pastors, are straying away from the truth of God's word in alarming numbers. 
I don't know uh, if it's because they want to be liked. I don't know if it's because they want to be inclusive. I don't know if it's because they don't want to be perceived as intolerant uh, or they're just outright deceived. I think it happens to be the latter. They're just deceived. But more and more people in the church are wandering away from the truth of God's word and they're beginning to espouse doctrines that are contrary to scripture, right? And the Bible, um, the Bible has a word to describe this kind of this meandering away from, from, from the faith, and, and that word is apostasy. And so we should not be surprised. None of the things that are going on today should be surprised because the word of God says that there will be an abundance of pro, uh, apostasy. It will be one of the characteristics of the last days. And I believe we're living in the last days. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. Paul said this, For the time is coming, and I think that time is here. Right? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. In other words, they won't hold on to scripture. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You see, that's what's happening today. Even pastors are leading their congregations astray. The only way to, to counteract apostasy in the church is by knowing what this book says and by holding fast to it. That's why this is, this is our plumb line. In fact, in fact, I want to make a suggestion here. Whenever you come across an issue uh, upon a moral or spiritual issue and you're struggling with it and you're wondering what, what to think and you're wondering what to believe and you're not sure what to believe, then I want to, I want to give you this bit of counsel. I want you to throw out the, all of the RNC and DNC talking points. Right? Throw out all the talking points from, from both sides, conservative and progressive. And then ask yourself this one simple question. What does the Bible say? Right? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about any particular issue? What does it say? And if you're, trying to, if you're having difficulty trying to figure out what the Bible says about any particular issue, then ask one of our, our pastors, and we'll do our very best to help you. That's our job, is to rightly divide the truth of God's word. And we won't offer you our opinion. You don't care about our opinion, but we will do our very best to show you what the Bible says, right? What God's word says, because God's word is truth. This is the truth. John 17, 17, Jesus said, your word is truth. And not only that, God's word, God's word can build you up, Acts 20, 32. And it can keep you from sinning, Psalm 119, verse 11. It can revive your soul, Psalm 119, verse 15. It can light your path, Psalm 119, verse 105. And it can give you hope, Romans 15, verse 4, and so much more. God's word is everything. And, and, and by the way, I... This is so important to us. So we must continue to be in God's word, but this is so important to us. I, I just decided to start writing another journal booklet that's going to cover the entire book of Psalms, 150 chapters of the book of Psalms. And I chose the Psalms because it's probably my favorite book in the Bible. And, and, and I want to put this together and get it out to you as soon as I can so that you can begin soaping the book of Psalms. And uh, you know, the Psalms is so big with 150 chapters. Just 100, chapter 119 has got 176 verses by itself. It's going to probably have to take four or five days just to do that one, to soap that one. But I hope to, so we're going to do it in chunks. We're going to do it in volumes. And, I, and Psalms is actually divided into five different sections. And so I'll do the first section first, chapters 1 through 41. I'll do the first section. I hope to get it to you in your hands a little bit after Easter. So please pray for me and that God would help me and that, God's favor would be upon us, would help our church to grow deeper into God's word. But in the meantime, don't wait for, if you're done with soaping with your prayer journal, don't stop and say, well, I'll, I'll wait till the next one comes out. No, don't stop. Keep going. Uh, keep going. What you can do, here's what you can do. You can go to Target, right, and pick up a composition notebook that looks like this for 99 cents. You can get this for 99 cents, or you can go to the 99 cents store and get one for $1.50, Get one of these things, it's got, lined, it's got lines on it, it's all blank, and all you need to do is use it and start writing down your soap. And if you're not sure what to soap, how about the Gospel of John? You can just soap the Gospel of John. You can do half a chapter, a full chapter, it doesn't matter. You can soap the book of Proverbs. It's got 31 chapters. Do a chapter a day. Just read it. And if, and if you don't get something out of the first chapter, go on to the next chapter until something just jumps out at you, and then just soap it. And God will bless your life. So don't stop soaping. That's the other takeaway from, from this message today. Now, take a look at what Kendra had to say. 
everybody, I'm Kendra, and in the 40-day series on prayer, one of the things that was really impactful for me were the prayer meetings. And as I went into those prayer meetings, I was really thinking about the sermon on Hezekiah um, and how he brought this huge problem before God and just cried out to God. Um, and like so many times in the Bible, God answered his prayer and actually answered with a miracle. Um, but what I was really, really focused on was the fact that um, a part of the Bible that it says, because he prayed. Um, and so I went, as I went into the prayer meetings, it was kind of with that mentality of the power that is in prayer and the fact that I need to ask God um, for things. He knows what we need, but it's that, that relational component that He wants us to ask. He wants us to cry out to Him. And so as I was going into the prayer, um, I, just, I just asked God to lead my heart in what I should be crying out to Him for. Um, and just that he would align my heart with his. And as I just sat there quietly in his presence, it was so special how he just met me there, um, that I felt that nearness and um, even just got like a little glimpse of his heart. And um, there were a couple things that he just led my mind um, to cry out for. And some of those things were ministries here at church that I'm already involved in. And as much as I care about these ministries deeply and I love these ministries and I know God's working in these ministries, I realize that I often don't stop to really, to truly cry out to God um, with all of my heart the way Hezekiah did um, to ask for him to be moving in these ministries and leading us in these ministries. And so um, for the young adults, I prayed that he would just um, develop bold leaders um, within that group, that he would give us um, self-sacrificial um, just mindsets of service um, for our world and for our community in the church, um, that he would just draw us deeper to him, um, that he draws closer to his heart, and that he would just align the ministry with where he wants it to go. Um, and then for kids crew, that he would he'd be with our leadership team, that he would continue to give them vision of what his purpose is for kids crew and what it looks like um, to teach kids what it means to know and love Jesus. Um, that he'd be with the teachers in that ministry, that it wouldn't be something that we just serve in once a month. Um, I think at, after a long time of serving, sometimes it just starts to become something where you check the box. And so um, that he would just build up um, an extra measure of passion and compassion in us for the kids, that we would realize that we really truly do make a huge difference um, and that he would just embolden our hearts to be able to do that with the kids. Um, and for the kids themselves that yes, that seeds would be planted, but that we'd be bold enough to ask for more, um, that we'd be bold to ask for kids to really know and understand the significance of what it means to be deeply loved by Jesus, um, for them to know what it means that he saved them, that he's renewing them, that he's walking beside them every day and all the things they go through in life. Um, and then just, um, crying out for trust in us, but also movement on his part of um, the fact that we still need so much help in this ministry. It's incredible that it's growing so fast, but it just seems like it's always playing catch up. Um, and so that God would, you know, raise up more, more people in the church that have a passion for this ministry the way we do. Um, and he'd provide in that way. And then the same thing for small groups, that he'd He'd build up leaders um, so that anyone who comes to this church that wants a group where they can find community and feels like they belong, that there would be an avenue for that. Um, that in our small groups and in the ones that are already developed, that the community that is built there would be just precious and sweet and close. Um, that we'd be, it'd be a setting where we can be vulnerable with each other, that we can encourage one another, support one another, help each other, help each other to grow. Um, in all the seasons of life as they come and go and just that um, we would be able to live out what it looked like to be in the early church to meet, meet in each other's homes or at church or wherever but just to meet in those small groups to be able to um, encourage one another in Christ and grow closer together and so as I was praying all these things and God kept bringing lots of other things and other ministries and other things um, in, the, in the community and the world to my mind it was just it's so special to me the way that I went into this meeting not even really knowing what I should pray for um, and that the Holy Spirit worked to bring me into that relational component to show me his heart. Um, 
even just a little piece of it, to show me the things he had passion, that he has passion for. Um, and so that, that relationship component and that he wants to meet with us there was so special and so impactful and even just getting a glimpse of that. And so I'm really, really thankful for that intentional time, super early in the morning or super late at night, that I probably wouldn't otherwise be praying to be able to spend that time with Jesus. Isn't that great? Wow, thank you to Kendra for that. She is such an amazing lady. And I love all the things that she prayed. Can you just hear her heart? Her heart for our children, her heart for our church, her heart for people, her heart for God. You know, I love what she prayed about for, for kids' crew. She prayed for all the kids' crew helpers. And I love this. She prayed that if you're a kids' crew helper, that you wouldn't just go in there on a Sunday morning and check the box, whether you serve once a month or twice a month, you wouldn't just go in there and check the box, but she prayed that you would have a passion. Your passion would be white hot for those kids to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to follow Jesus. And then she prayed for all of you who don't serve in kids' crew, that you would serve in kids' crew, that God would raise up more leaders to serve in kids' crew. And she pointed out the ministry is growing. There are more and more kids, but we don't have enough help. We still don't have a Saturday night kids' crew uh, program because we don't have enough help. We don't have enough volunteers to serve kids on a Saturday night. And if we had kids crew on a Saturday night, we could reach so many more kids. We could reach so many more parents and families. And I don't know what God is putting on your heart, but I, I hope and pray that you would think about that. Uh, I don't know if you know this as well, but Kids Crew uh, has an incredible uh, special needs component to their ministry. And they're ministering to special needs kids, and we've got a lot of people helping out with that, but we don't have enough people helping out with that. And the, I keep hearing over and over how, how the parents absolutely love our special needs ministry and kids crew because they feel, they feel like they trust, they trust the helpers. And not only that, they feel like that's the one hour and a half of their week when they just feel like they could trust their kids to somebody else and they can come in here and worship the Lord and hear God's word. And so that's such an important ministry. If either of those ministries are, are of interest to you, please, please see Susan Lee or, or Mandy Ogamori. Let them know that you're interested, and, man, we'll, we'll tell you more about it. But uh, I also love that Kendra prayed for our young adult ministry, that God would raise up bold and visionary and courageous and passionate leaders. She prayed that God would raise up small group leaders because every year hundreds of new people come to our church and they want to do life with others, and they want to get connected and plugged in somewhere. And so they sign up for a small group, but the problem is we never, we never have enough small groups because we don't have enough small group leaders, people who will lead groups and just facilitate groups. And you don't need to be a Bible scholar to be able to do that. And so she prayed that God would raise up more people so that more of you can get connected to other people. And so, you know, if that's of interest to you, please let Pastor Dan know about that. But, you know, Kendra just reminds me overall, just reminds me of what's next. And what's next is we got to keep serving the Lord, right? Every one of us, we've got to keep serving the Lord. How can we not serve the one who died on a cross for our sins? How can we not serve the one who forgives you over and over and over and over again and over and over and over again because his son died? How can you not serve that one, right? We must serve the Lord. And if you're not currently serving the Lord, if you just show up here and then you leave after you're done, no, you got to change that. You got to find a way to plug in. And even for those of you who watch online, you know, church, I've always said this, church is not screen time. And church is not a spectator sport. You can't just come and leave. You can't just think, watch, watch us online and think that's church. So for those of you who are watching online, especially if you live in far away, find a church, find a local church that you can plug into where you can serve the Lord because that is so important. And there's so many other opportunities to give back. This summer, we hope to send two mission teams to the Philippines. You know, for three years now, we haven't been able to send out teams because of COVID. And now things are way better. So we're going to start sending out teams. And we have to send out teams. And so just recently, I had a conversation with Jocelyn and Roy Velasquez, who started a little house church. They used to come to our church, and they, they went there and started a little house church on Bohol. And it's beginning to grow and grow and grow. And they're looking for a pastor and I had an opportunity to go out there last year with, with my wife, Cheryl. And so we were talking to them, and I said, hey, what do you think if we sent out a team to, to put on a, a retreat for young people? They said, oh, that would be great. We have about 20 young people, 20 teenagers, middle school and high schoolers. She said, if you, if you were sent a team from South Bay to put on a retreat for us, we could get 100 kids there. 
A hundred kids would just come. And then when some other pastors found out about it, they said, we want to come too. We want to send our kids too. And so this thing is growing and growing. Now we're just looking for a team of young people. In fact, Charity's right here helping out with that ministry too. But we're looking for some college and young adults to go perhaps in July. To We need a worship team. We need some speakers. We need some counselors. We need some helpers. People to lead workshops to go there and minister to the youth. And most of them are not Christ followers. Most of them come from Catholic backgrounds. And we can make such a huge impact on that, on that community. Charity, I mentioned Charity. She and my wife Cheryl are putting together another medical missions trip to Bohal and to Bacolod. Cheryl went last year, but this year we're adding Bohal to the, to the, to the menu. And uh, we're taking a team there. And Charity has been uh, organizing that. She's put together most of the team members. But I understand she'd love to have another physician or two maybe another nurse or two, and they're looking for some dentists because we've never had that dental component to it so we can minister to people there. Uh, the the uh, medical care there is so poor, and they would just, people would just flock to something like this. And if that's something you're interested, see, see Charity or see my wife Cheryl, Pliny Lee, probably around the end of August and come back around September 10th, I'm not sure, right around that, you can check with them. Right, but so many opportunities. We're bringing back food, all these kinds of things. We need more. We need more servants. We need more people to help us clean. We need more greeters. We need more security. We need more first responders. We need more people for our hospitality team, and and of course, kids crew. Right. Let me show you uh, one final video, and this is from Raymond. Take a look at this. My dad, he he passed away. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, so um, my dad is um, uh, my dad is a, he's a LDS. He, uh, you know, we all grew up LDS Mormon for the longest time, and uh, you know, I talked to him uh, about it often, and uh, he just kind of you know brush it aside. Um, and then you know the night, um, you know the night that uh, he got really sick. Um, you know my daughter. I gotta tell you about my daughter. It's kind of funny. So uh, she she took a, a course, a, a school of evangelism. They called it at her church, and she spent a lot of time there. And I was kind of, I don't know, just kind of pointing out like, hey, how come you're doing all this? You're so busy. Why would you, you know, add this to your to the table and so she you know just finished that actually uh, a couple months uh, maybe three four months ago um, and then that night he got really sick you know he was having a hard time breathing and um, you know he couldn't talk and so uh, you know my daughter went to the bedside because there was a limited number of people that you could have there at a time and um, you know she basically asked him all the questions, led him through the gospel, and she would just say, just nod your head yes or no, and, and uh, she, uh, you know, he did, he, he said yes to everything, and then she prayed for him. Um, I also gotta tell you that, you know, it was a tough night, and, um, you know, I was trying to guide kind of his care Position just as a side, and um, you know it was a decision on how hard to treat, how much to press, versus you know letting him go. So I guess you know in my narrow medical mind, I was just thinking about treating him appropriately, not letting him suffer, which is important. But uh, God had bigger plan. That night I had a couple friends who are actually experts in palliative care, end-of-life care. I was trying to text them to ask them what I should do because I was too close to it. And uh, I, my text wouldn't go out. I didn't understand. It was so weird. Uh, my phone just wasn't receiving them either. I didn't understand. I tried another phone and they did text me back eventually, but it was on like silent mode or do not disturb mode and I didn't realize it because it was so late. I talked to them later, they said they, they 
would have probably given him morphine sooner. <laughs> Which made me feel bad, of course, but. So, I guess in the end, you know, like I said, I really think that that's probably the most important outcome is that um, he was able to receive Christ. What a powerful and touching story. Raymond lost his dad about two weeks ago. But before he took his last breath, Raymond's daughter walked her grandfather through the gospel. And he received Christ. And when he took his last breath, he went straight to heaven. And I got to ask you something. Is there anything more important than that? Is there really anything more important for Raymond and his family that they're going to see their dad and grandfather again? If there is something more important than that, that I sure don't know what it is. Yesterday, we said goodbye to Gary Osimono. Again, Gary was only 57 when he, when he left us. And I can tell you that there isn't anything more important for his wife Annette, for his children, Jordan and Caden, and knowing that Gary's in heaven and they're going to see him again. There's nothing more important. You see, there's, no, and there's nothing more important than you knowing the answer to the question, where am I going to go after I die? What will happen to me after I die? You know, and the answer, I'll tell you, is real quick. The Bible says there are only two possible places you can go. You can go where God is, which is heaven, or you can go where God isn't which is hell, and that's why they call it hell, because God's not there. And I can tell you something, you don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. And when I look at the world and everything going around us today, I can't help but think that millions of people are on a fast track to hell. Our world is getting darker and darker by the minute. And that's why what we do next is so crucial. And what we do next is that we must preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel. We've got to tell anybody and everybody who will listen to us about Jesus. And that's why we've got to send out mission teams this year that we haven't been able to do for three years. We can't stay home. We can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to tell others. So now that 40 days is over, what's next? We keep on praying, right? We keep on praying, and it will change you. If you pray, it will change you. And we've got to continue reading God's word. We've got to stay in God's word because this is the truth. And then we've got to serve the Lord. If you're not serving him already, find a place to serve him. How can we not serve him? And, you know, when the Lord returns, you don't, you don't want him to say to you, what did you do for me? Uh, well, I was too busy. You don't want to be there, right? Serve the Lord. And finally, we've got to tell others about Jesus because nothing is more important than that. Let me close with this story. Many years ago, I attended a Bible study that was led by a young pastor named Corey Ishida. And uh, there was a, one of the ladies in the Bible study was his mother-in-law, Rain's mother. Her name was Yuri, and I still can picture her face in my mind's eye. And whenever we finished a Bible study, we would all sit around in Pastor Corey's living room and pray. And she always prayed with her hands open and lifted up like this. She'd always pray like this. One day I asked her, why do you pray with your hands open and your hands lifted up as opposed to like, you know, just at your hands, hands at your side, or even, even hands folded. Why, why do you pray like this? And she said, the reason I pray with my hands open and hands lifted up is so that I'm, because it's my way of saying to God, God, I give you everything. I, 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 I cast all my cares on you. I give you everything that I have needs for. I give it all to you. And then she said, but I also pray with my hands open and my hands lifted up so that God can pour his blessings into it. Because I believe that God will bless 
and hear my prayers. And so I just thought, when, I, when she told me that, I never forgot it. I've remembered it all these years and I often pray that same way. And I just thought, you know, how cool would it be? Why don't we pray like that today? So I want to ask all of you to stand wherever you're at, even in the Faith Center, even, even for those of you watching at home, if you're in the cafe area. If you're able to stand, if you're not able to stand, that's okay. You can stay seated. But if you're able to stand, let's all stand, all right? And extend your hands and open up your hands, right? Open them up and lift them up to the heavens. And let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, there is no one like you. Thank you for showing and revealing yourself to us during these 40 days in a way that maybe we haven't seen in a long, long time. God, you are so great. You are so loving. There isn't anyone more loving than you. There isn't anyone more compassionate than you. There isn't anyone more powerful than you, more holy than you. And Lord, we come and we ask you to forgive us for offending you, for offending all of heaven, for doing all the things that we've we've done just to to bring shame to your name and Lord God we just want to lift up all of our we come to you and we just want to lift up our, our lives to you we lift up our hearts to you forgive us of our sins and cleanse us thank you for doing that right now and God we, we lift up our burdens to you because so many of us come and we're just weighed down and we're drained by all the things that are going not only in the world but our, in our own personal lives And so we hold them up to you, Father. We hold up our marriages to you. We hold up our children to you. We hold up our very lives, our health to you. We hold up our family to you. We hold up our financial situations and our work to you. And God, we we want to declare and we want to cry out to you, we need you, God. We need your help. We need you to hear us. Lord, pour your blessings into our hands. Lord, all these hands lifted up all across, even all across the country right now. Lord, pour your blessings into our hands. And Lord, when we leave here today, continue to remind us that 40 days is not over, that we're going to continue to pray, constantly praying with fervency for the rest of our lives until you come. And prayer will change us And you will do great and mighty things because of prayer. And Father, we also want to recommit ourselves tonight, today, to to studying your word and knowing your word and holding on to the truth, holding fast to it no matter what. And third, God, help us to recommit ourselves and commit ourselves to, to serving you. How can we not serve such a great God as you? Find a place for every one of us to serve and to make you known. And Father, finally help us as we commit ourselves to getting the gospel out, telling others about Jesus, not only across the seas, overseas, but right here in our own backyard, right in our own homes, right in our own apartment buildings, right in our own workplaces and schools. Let us be a light for you. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thanks for these 40 days. Now, Lord, we continue on. Help us to continue on and to keep it going. So thank you, Father. Thanks for hearing our prayers. We lift all these things up to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.